Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify black letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Yeah, welcome back to another episode of the Black Letter Podcast. Thanks for joining us today with us. Once again, we have Dubs Hirschlip, more than two decades in estate planning uh, and personal experiences. Part of his, his what he brings to the estate planning world, as we talked about in the last segment, was more than two decades of experience and much of that working for a very high-end estate planning firm that has been around for more than 100 years. Combine that with the fact that he went through a three-year process of his own father passing away had a recent experience with his nephew passing away. He brings a lot of empathy and actual direct personal understanding of the estate planning process, more than just the legal knowledge. So with that background, Doug's going to share with us today a, a, a war story uh, or two that you can take some practical and useful advice away from. So without further ado, Dubs, I will let you go ahead and, and jump right in here. Thanks again for having me. And the war stories, I think we can we can break into the war stories a little bit, but I think really the the important part is that these war stories aren't that unique. Even if I were to come up with a with a war story of somebody had a, a surprise child and they they left him out of the will and then all of a sudden we have litigation with a you know a doctor and his family that they were expecting to inherit right. millions, but now some some guy from across the country is going to get half. Or um, another one, you know, is four kids waiting to inherit their dad's uh, their dad's legacy until their dad finds a girlfriend from, you know, mail order company, and all of a sudden she owns everything that the dad owned because of community property. There's a reason it exists. Yes. Yeah. I've actually had those cases, but in order to protect client confidentiality, I'm not going to mention any actual war stories. They're all material lessons that we can all follow. But I, I just, I think something that everyone is going to be curious about listening to this uh, death on death or death positivity is um, a, con a constant conversation that I have after speaking to thousands of people. Everybody wants to know, do I need a living trust or do I need a will? And I have I have five tests, and in these tests you're going to hear uh, some Perfect. of those war stories. So number one, do you have real property or property outside of your home state? So this is where hey, parents own a vacation timeshare somewhere, or they own a, a retirement house in Arizona, or um, they have mineral rights in South Dakota. Well. Anytime right. there's property outside of your home state, you probably need to consider a living trust. So I'm just going to keep going through those through the through the checklist of basically the five issue, five issues. Other attorneys might have a different list. This is my list. Uh, number two, if you're over the estate tax threshold, the federal estate tax threshold is over 12 million, so it's pretty high. But in 2025, it's expected to uh, to be about 50 percent lower. So while this might not be a major issue federally, right now, 
It may drop in 2025. Um, and then also you want to be aware of your state's uh, state tax threshold. I'm not going to uh, mention Washington because I'm sure you're going to have people listening from all over the world. But if your assets or your net worth, including life insurance, exceeds the estate tax threshold, you definitely want to consider a living trust or a trust inside your will. If you have a spouse, you can often have a spousal credit shelter trust. And then there's a bunch of technical terms, Q-tips, et cetera, um, to protect your assets or your heirs from the estate tax. Right now, if the estate tax applies, uh, the federal uh, gift and estate tax is about 40% for amounts over the threshold. Or they also just increase the gift, uh, the gift tax exclusion to 17000 per person. So again, if your net worth exceeds that amount, and if you're a married couple, you want to take your total combined net worth and divide by two to find each person's individual net worth. If it exceeds the estate tax threshold, you're definitely going to want to consider a living trust. Number three is one of the more interesting um, questions for me, and that's whether or not you have permanent dependents. Usually that's going to be children, special needs children. Sometimes it's uh, people with addiction issues, heirs that uh, you know have control issues over their money, or maybe they've got dementia. In those situations, you do want to talk about a special needs trust or a spendthrift trust, uh, some sort of living trust that you'd create for their benefit past your lifetime. Um, and that's really fun because we get to sit and talk about how to care for a loved one and what their special needs might be and who the right trustee is to, to care for them and if they need a guardian and all those sorts of things. So that's really important. The next one is if you have heirs who are non-U.S. citizens, we really want to talk about a qualified domestic trust because there is an ex expatriation tax that can apply and really kind of surprise people by, by taking away a large portion of their inheritance if they're non-U.S. citizens. We just easily draft a trust that has a trustee that's a U.S. Uh, person or entity to avoid the expatriation tax. And then the last one is the hardest one. I kind of already mentioned it. Uh, that's where you have um, a mixed marriage or children from outside of the marriage. Uh, those surprise children really want to be planned for inside of right. your estate plan. And uh, sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's a very difficult conversation to have. And you can, you can really watch out for some of those troubles um, by uh, talking about a trust, particularly if you have a husband with children and a wife with children, the children in common, um, each person who passes away is going to be disposing of half of the marital community and each of the children is going to expect to inherit from it. So in so, those situations, sometimes it's nice. So you have living trusts, you have QDOTs, GRATs, CRATs, SLATs, um, special SNT lists. Uh, all, all islets, uh, insurance trusts. Sure. So there's all kinds of things. The short story is the best strategy is to talk to an attorney about this and figure out what you need. And it's very circumstance specific. That's kind of what I'm drawing away from what you're saying. What hadn't come up in that as, as I hear you talk about the complexities of trust is I also, and this is where the worst story comes out, I guess. I have a bias against living trusts. I was, I was raised and mentored, keep it simple, stupid, me being the stupid, and uh, not to use living trusts unless necessary. That's why I have the five criterion, because 
if one of those criterion is is positive, then yeah, we're gonna we're gonna look at a living trust, see what to do. If not, uh, sometimes giving people a living trust is the wrong thing because they're sometimes complicated and people don't know how to follow them. The original trust agreement is super important so that you don't want to lose that. Any of the amendments are important. You need to keep all the originals and the amendments end up changing the name of the trust. So then sometimes you have to go around and retitle assets. But more, more critically is failure to fund a trust is also fatal to the trust. So Four stories, hypothetically, I've seen people not put assets into trust and assume that they had done everything for their estate plan and then they pass and right. um, and their heirs are surprised to find that they haven't inherited anything. Or sometimes people have revoked a trust with assets in it and have failed to retitle the trust. I mean, the, the assets that then require like a quiet title action in order to reestablish title to the assets. So sometimes living trusts are not or recommended approach and i like to just guide people uh away from them if they're not necessary way back when more than 20 years ago when i worked at a small firm that did some estate work we always told clients at least in virginia because probate is slow and complicated that if you can put most things outside of probate and avoid and there's a probate tax here in virginia and there may not be in washington state but to avoid the probate tax on those assets and to ease things we always told people to do simple living trusts uh, now, usually there were, you know, at least hundreds of thousands in assets at the low end involved. So there wouldn't be significant tax on those assets. But that's kind of the side that I, I always learned. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, great point. I'm coming from Washington. Washington does not have a, uh, a really, uh, you know, impressive or, or scary estate tax and, uh, and some or probate tax. Some states do, California, for example. And so, yeah, the, the advice on the living trust does vary state by state. Uh, we're going to come back in the next segment, and we'll try rebooting the camera for the next segment. But let's talk about two or three or four or five pieces of advice, whatever it is, that you can give people concrete, like kind of a checklist. Here are the things. We already talked about the five things you need to think about when it comes to a trust and the kinds of trusts that are available in general terms. Let's talk about just the five, three or four or five big things you need to think about in estate planning, like, hey, I'm thinking about end of life stuff. Here's the stuff we, I need to think about and kind of death on death. What are your personal thoughts on that? So um, thank you, Dubs. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Black Letter Podcast. I promise you Dubs will be unfrozen at least at the beginning of the next episode. And we'll see you back here. Download us wherever you get your podcast and watch us on YouTube. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and check out our website at blackletterstudios.com.